History History Podcast. I'm Allison, and I'm by myself today. Um, welcome to episode 54 on Zach and Addie. Um, it's a story from New Orleans, which I just visited not too long ago. Um, George's not going to be with me for maybe the next couple uh, episodes because he just bought a house. He's doing adult things, and he's trying to get his house ready to move in. So I am recording on my phone uh, right now, so hopefully the quality is good enough because all of his stuff, you know, all the stuff we record with is at his house, which is currently being packed up. So I hope that the quality is good enough. If so, cut me a little bit of slack. So uh, real quick, I just want to do, you know, our general business thing. Um, We've hit about 35,000 downloads, which is amazing. We still have our Patreon and our website that you can look at. Um, Our website is www.mysteryhistorypodcast.com. All of our information's on there. Please rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts if you have the um, ability and also, I just want to do a quick shout out to at doctor.duckbutter. He's on Instagram, or he has a Facebook group called uh, Kitchen Knife Page. And basically, he makes bomb ass jerky. Uh, it's delicious. So, if you guys are jerky fans, please hit him up um, at doctor.duckbutter on Instagram. He's got all kinds of flavors. I'm not a hot person. He can make them not hot or spicy as hell, whatever your preference is. So I am going to go ahead and get into the episode of Zach and Addie. So I've got a little bit of a story to tell before I jump into actually the history and the events of what happened. Um, so I hope you enjoy this story. But this is from me and my stepsister as we were traveling in New Orleans and we came upon this. So here we go. As most of you know, I recently traveled to New Orleans. This place has been on my bucket list for like years and years and years. We were supposed to go late last year, but because of COVID, it got canceled and luckily we were able to rebook it. So I was very excited that I was able to attend this trip because with my work schedule, some um, some things are blacked out and luckily it just worked perfectly. So the trip consisted of my dad, my stepmom, Terry, my stepsister, Amanda, and my best friend, Rachel. So Amanda and Rachel both flew in. Me, my dad, and Terry all drove together down there. We got in on Monday, and we were scheduled to leave on Friday. So we didn't really have like an itinerary, so to speak, of the things that we, you know, had to get done. But there was a list of things that that I'd wanted to see, especially since it's been on my bucket list for so long, and I didn't know when I was going to be able to get back there. So we were trying to squeeze in, you know, as much as we could within those days. So Wednesday, Rachel, Amanda, and I had gone to a haunted museum called Bloody Mary's Haunted Museum and Voodoo Pharmacy. And we just wanted to go and we were mostly looking for like a tarot reading. We wanted to get our tarot cards read. And 
you know, we're all kind of skeptical. We don't really know if it's real or not, but we wanted to just see what, what it was all about. So I had known that Bloody Mary had been on Ghost Adventures, and it just so happens that like every episode, we talk about Ghost Adventures, um, but she was on the Myrtle's Plantation episode of theirs, and in our Patreon episode, I'll actually be discussing uh, the Myrtle's Plantation you know, that I visited. So we did go there. We did the tour and all that fun stuff. So if you're interested in hearing about that, go ahead and get onto our Patreon. Uh, And it's for as little as two bucks a month, you can listen to that episode. That'll be coming out uh, Friday the 11th. So we had gone there um, later in the day to the museum because we had been doing a bunch of other stuff, including getting lots and lots of drinks. Um, so we had the option of either getting our tarot read or we could visit the museum that they had there. And Rachel, she would be leaving the next day, so she really wanted to get her tarot read. So we decided to do that. And then I was like, well, you know, if, if me and Amanda wanted to go see it the next day, we would have that option. And Rachel was fine with that. So that's what we did. Now, we have all tried to remember the lady who read our tarot because we had the option of doing it one-on-one or since there was three of us, we could all do it together and she would just read us all separately. So we decided that we might as well just do it all together. Now, uh, you know, the, the, the clerk suggested that we should do it one-on-one because you get a more personalized experience. But I think from a skeptic's point of view, if you go into a room with three other people or two other people who you know very well and the person gets it right for every single one of you, <laughs> that like puts you over the top like this is legit. And I believe that there are some people that are just out there trying to, you know, get one over on you, but I do feel like this particular woman had a gift, and I really wish I could remember her name because she was amazing. The other funny part is that this was her first day at the shop, so I guess Bloody Mary called her and said, just show up and we'll work you today and see how things go. So anyway, she read all three of us perfectly. It was like she saw into our soul, I tell you. Like, it's crazy. So we because we got there kind of at the end of the day, it was clo- the shop was closed up by the time that we were done. And Bloody Mary herself actually had come into the shop. So we, of course, gave a glowing review of our reader. And I really hope that she got the job because she was awesome. So anyway, that happened. It was amazing. We all felt weird. And I just want to note that my stepsister, Amanda, she is a sensitive, like she feels things that other people don't see. You know, she's got that gift where I don't ever have that gift. I, I would love to, but I don't. So moving on to the next day. So Rachel leaves in the morning and Amanda and I still really wanted to check out this museum and see the kind of artifacts that it had. So we trekked all the way back. We didn't stay on Bourbon Street. We stayed like a couple blocks off of Bourbon Street, which was nice because we kind of, you know, once you get a couple blocks off of Bourbon Street, it's like a completely different, like calm town. But on Bourbon Street, it's not. So so we stayed kind of off the beaten path a little bit, but it was still only a couple blocks to walk. So we walked everywhere and my feet were killing me. Um, but we trekked back to the Rampart Street Museum. It was $15 a piece to go inside. The way that the building is, 
is that it's it's a Creole cottage, so it's like two halves. It's kind of like a double. On one half is the voodoo shop where you can buy things. And then on the other hand, on the other side, it's the museum. Okay. So you have to go through the shop, pay the money, go out into the courtyard, turn around, go back into the door next to it and go into the museum. Okay. So it's the other half of the building. And, um, so I don't know, whenever we walked into the building, like I said, I'm not sensitive. I don't know how much I really, I really want to believe, but nothing's ever happened to me that would make me really truly believe that this is a thing. But as you walk in the building, it's just weird. It's a completely different vibe than the other half. Uh, the other half, it was, you know, there's all kinds of dead shit hanging around and weird things, but but you feel fine, you know, it's just like any other shop. But on the other side of the building, it just felt heavy, I guess you could say. Um, so whenever you walk in, you have the option to go left, which is taking you up the stairs, or you can go straight, which leads into one room and then another room. And for some reason, I just, I wanted to go upstairs. I don't know what it was. I just, I had to go upstairs. So we went ahead and turned left and went up the stairs. And Amanda, as I said, is a sensitive and she was just feeling kind of weird. Nothing crazy, but just kind of off. Um, so we go upstairs. Um, and I, I wanted to tell you guys too, like, so right now with COVID, they do have tours where you can have like an actual person take you through and explain everything. But because of COVID, they actually created an app, which is a pretty cool app. And it's bloody, I, I can't remember the name of it. It's on my phone. It's Bloody Mary Tours, I believe, is the app. And if you don't, it, you get it free with the members, like with your admission. However, if you wanted to just buy it, I'm sure that you could. Um, and it takes you through the museum. There's numbers on certain things in the museum. You select the number and it'll tell you about the artifacts and what's going on with it. So we tried to download it, but for some reason it just wasn't happening. And whenever we went into the museum initially, there was other people in there and we didn't have earbuds and we didn't want to disturb them and and them looking. So we both decided that, well, we'll go through and see what there is to see, take pictures of things. And then whenever we get back, we can listen to it and kind of just go through our pictures and put the, you know, the narrative to what we saw. So we really had no idea about anything that we were looking at. We just, you know, unless there was something like there was a picture hanging on the wall that was, um, a painting and it was very heavy and red and it was painted in somebody's blood. So, I mean, there were things like that, but nothing too deep into the history of things. So, uh, so if you're interested in that, I'm sure you could download it and pay for it. And it's narrated by Bloody Mary. So anyway, so like I said, we decided to turn left and go up the stairs. Whenever you walk up the stairs, you are led into kind of like a, a main room, I would assume would be like a living room. And then you could go to the left and it would lead you to a bedroom or you could go to the right and it would lead you to something unknown. We didn't know what was in there. So I wanted to go right and she wanted to go left. So we kind of separated from each other. She went into the room with the hundreds of dolls that were littered everywhere. And I went into the unknown to the right. 
Whenever I walked in to the right, there was a stove, and the stove was littered with cigarettes, dollar bills, change, liquor bottles, all kinds of stuff that were meant to be offerings to the spirits of the house. Then whenever I turned and looked to the right further into the room, it was kind of a weird like zigzag kitchen. It was just big enough for an appliance and then you to walk past it and that's about it. Um, So there was a fridge there. The fridge was open. It also had coins and everything for offerings. So you walk past those things and go kind of towards the left and there's another doorway and that's a bathroom. So the mirror's all rusted, everything's stained. The bathroom had, uh, the bathtub had two little rubber ducks in it. And I instantly like felt gross. Like you just get that feeling when it's like something's not right here. (laughs) Something's wrong. Um, And I felt very uneasy and sick. Uh, So I turned around and I found Amanda and um, found her in the bedroom. She was more drawn to that area, the bedroom. Um, And I didn't really feel much in the bedroom. Now, the... Now, the, the ghosts, and there's several ghosts in this house, okay? So, um, there's one of a little boy. Um, so, one of, oh, I forget her name, Jolene or Jody. I think Jody is the name of a doll there that's supposed to be possessed. Uh, so, you know, any of that is kind of just off-putting to see. But I didn't really feel anything. Uh, so, Amanda, she wanted to sit there and kind of, like, see if she could communicate with anything. I was like, let's get the fuck out of here. I'm done with this. Like, let's go. So we left. (laughs) Um, We left. We went downstairs. We went through the rest of the museum. There was a seance room, which was in the middle. And then further, there was like um, just artifacts and there was a big Ouija board painting on the floor. So there was a lot of cool things there. I highly suggest you go check it out. So anyway, we look through all those rooms. We're ready to go. We're walking through the hallway that we had come in and Amanda looks over to the left and sees a picture of a um, woman and a man playing with some kittens. And it's, there's a nameplate, Zach and Addie. And she's like, who are these people? And I was like, you know what? They look really familiar to me. Like, I feel like I've heard this before. And now, I've watched thousands and thousands of shows, true crime, paranormal. You know, it's hard to keep them straight and even more keep them straight and know where, what location, like where in the world this took place. So I, but I, it just nagged at me. Like, I know what this is. I've seen this before. So we go out into the courtyard. I have a seat because we had to wear masks everywhere and I just needed to breathe. And it was one of those really hot days, muggy in New Orleans. So I sat outside. I took my mask off. I just had a, had a seat. She went in to look at tarot cards and some books and I started Googling. And I, I was like, I know what this is. So I find it. And it tells me that Zach strangled Addie and he cut her up into tiny pieces and he cooked her, okay? Now, I know that it happened in the French Quarter, so their house had to have been around somewhere close to me, okay? So I started Googling the address to see if it's somewhere that we can walk to because we walked everywhere. So Amanda comes back out as I'm searching. And as I'm Googling, I see a picture of the stove, 
And I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) that is the same exact stove that we put offerings on before we left. And then I see the fridge and I said, oh my God, I said, do you think that they purchased the stove in the fridge of where she was, you know, put and use that as their museum? I was like, man, that's kind of morbid. So as I'm, so I find the address. So I put it in my Google maps and I hit go and it says, you are here. And I was shook as the kids say, I was like, holy shit, we are here. We were in the apartment that this happened. So I run inside to the clerk and I said, I need you to tell me something. Is this the stove in the fridge that Addy was in? She said, yep. I said, okay, now tell me another thing. Is this the apartment that it happened? She said, yep. And I like chills, just chills. So I asked her if we could go back inside because I wanted to get some good pictures because I was taking pictures, but they weren't like for a purpose. It was just kind of for me. But whenever this happened, like it was full circle. Oh my God, here we are where a tragedy happened. And I knew this story and there were thousands of things on the wall, thousands. Like why would Amanda chose that one picture to be like, what is this? I mean, we looked at thousands of things and she just beelined to this. I think that she was drawn to the bedroom where um, Addie was strangled. And I believe that she was maybe dealing more with her spirit while I was taken more to the bathroom where terrible things happened And I believe it was a negative type of situation and I might have been pulled more to Zach. So we took pictures. Um, We left offerings um, in both places, the stove and the fridge before we had realized what was going on. Um, And we just, you know, said thank you for sharing your space and kind of leaving it. But And then we left. And I got to tell you, like, I felt so weird. I still feel weird, even though it's been like two weeks since I've been there. I just feel weird, like heavy. Um, So after we got done there, we went straight to another voodoo shop where I bought cat's eye bracelets, which is supposed to protect you from evil. Um, And I do wear them every day now. (laughs) And it seems to make me feel better, if anything else. So that is my story of how this all kind of came to be and why this is our episode today. So now let me tell you more about their story. Um, So Zach, um, Zach Bowen was born May 15th, 1978 in Bakersfield, California. He married young at age 18 to a 27-year-old stripper named Lana. They had two children together, and Zach decided to join the Army so he could get benefits and try to provide for his family. Zach was actually a military officer, an MP, in Kosovo, Iraq, and Abu Ghraib. His friends say that they believe that one experience kind of hit him hard. Um, He had befriended a little girl in Iraq whenever he was there. And to punish the little girl for befriending an American, the family shop was bombed and her and her whole family were killed. And it kind of put him into a weird space. Um, So he suffered heavily from PTSD at the things that he saw when he was away. He earned several awards, including the NATO Medal and the Presidential Unit Citation. 
After doing two tours, his commanding officer uh, recommended him for honorable discharge, but he was only given general discharge, which means that he was not eligible for education benefits. This, of course, like it would anybody, made Zach very angry and bitter because he devoted a lot of his life to this, and this is how they were going to treat him at the end. So he came home to New Orleans, where he had moved um, whenever he was 18. He loved New Orleans. Um, He became a bartender, and shortly after that, he separated from Lana and the kids. So Addie... Addie Hall was a free spirit with a temper. She came from an abusive home and had been sexually molested at a young age. She found herself in several abusive relationships. She rode her bike around the French Quarter, and she, too, worked at a bar, uh, as a bartender at the Spotted Cat. She was an artist, a poet, and a seamstress. She had an addiction to drugs and drinking and was also bipolar. She tried to rid herself of her demons, but they always reared their ugly head. She would be on medication for a while, she would stop taking it, and then it would just be this vicious cycle for her. So Addie and Zach met when they were both bartending in the French Quarter in 2005. They had been dating a few weeks before Hurricane Katrina started making its way to Louisiana. The two decided to stick it out together in her apartment, even though the Category 5 hurricane had made many evacuate. On August 23rd, 2005, Katrina formed, and on August 29th, it hit the Gulf Coast. Luckily, most of the French Quarter was undamaged, but because of all the devastation, the power was out for weeks. The two had made a life for themselves in the storm and the limited supplies and utilities, so they just kind of made the best of it. They would gather supplies around. The city had barbecues in the middle of the streets and would make cocktails on the stoop of their apartment. Some other people, um, you know, in the French Quarter also stayed, so they all kind of banded together. They fell deeply in love during this time as the hustle and bustle of the city turned quiet. They said that they could finally see the stars because the, the city was so bright. Everything didn't have power, so you could finally see the stars from the French Quarter. National magazines and newspapers even photographed Zach and Addie for their resilience to the storm and their choice to stay while so many others fled. They felt like the king and queen of the French Quarter. So if you Google pictures of Zach and Addie, you'll see a lot of like professional looking pictures. And these are the ones that they chose uh, for their, their magazines. Sooner um, than Zach and Addie wanted, things started to return back to normal. Stress started returning right along with everything else. Bills started piling up. They needed to start working to try to pay those bills. And by the end of September 2006, they were evicted from their Governor Nicholas apartment and moved into 826 North Rampart Street above the New Orleans Voodoo Spiritual Temple. October 5th, 2006, Addie had talked to landlord Leo Weiderman, trying to remove Zach from the lease on the apartment. She had told him that he had cheated on her. Leo told Addie that they needed to talk about it. He wasn't getting in the middle of their private business and that she could come back and talk to him whenever they made their final decision, but he never saw her again. So he just assumed that they had worked it out and everything was fine. October 16th, 2006, Zach was out drinking with friends. Uh, He seemed to be in good spirits and made statements that he was in paradise. October 17th, 2006, Zach was drinking at the Omni Royal 
Orleans Hotel Rooftop Bar. He was acting, acting strange, and the bartender assumed he was getting ready to skip out on his bill. He was kind of acting just like flighty, so he thought he was going to run or drink and then try to run from the bill. Instead, Zach started pacing to the ledge several times. At his final pace, Zach threw himself off the rooftop terrace and landed on the roof of the parking deck. Police were called to the scene, and they found a badly mangled body covered in cigarette burns. Their surveillance video shows him jumping off the ledge. They found a suicide note tucked in a Ziploc bag in his pocket along with his army dog tags and the gate keys to Addie's apartment in the front pocket. Parts of his suicide note read, This is not accidental. I had to take my own life to pay for the one I took. Every last one of these I failed at, hence the 28 cigarette burns, one for each year of my existence. If you send a patrol car to 826 North Rampart, you will find the dismembered corpse of my girlfriend Addie in the oven, on the stove, and in the fridge, and a full signed confession from myself, Zach Bowen. Damn. That is crazy. Crazy, crazy. So, (laughs) the police followed the, you know, instructions in the note, and they went to the apartment where they discovered a gruesome scene. Zach had spray painted all over the walls, um, and you can sometimes find these pictures. Uh, They're kind of hard to find, but you can definitely find them. Um, They're very eerie. Uh, it just looked like he lost his, his mind, like he just lost his mind. So on, on the walls, he wrote things like, call my wife, Lana, and gave her phone number, um, telling the police to look at the large pots and pans on top of the stove, which they did, um, which I think is kind of ironic because on one wall, he says, look in the kit, you know, look on the stove. And on the stove, he wrote, don't look like on the stove. So contradictory. In one pot, they found the head of Addie, and then the other, her hands and her feet, and a basting pan inside the oven, her legs and arms. Her torso um, was in a black trash bag in the fridge. In Addie's journal, Zach started writing in it. Um, He wrote, today is Monday, the 16th, October, 2 a.m. I killed her at 1 a.m. Thursday, October 5th. I very calmly strangled her, and it was very quick. He went on to write that he repeatedly had sex with the corpse and passed out drunk next to her body. The next day, he went to work, and his coworkers remember him acting weird, wearing sunglasses and a hat and being very quiet, which wasn't normally how he acted. Over the next several days, he moved her body to the bathroom and started to dismember her with a handsaw and a knife. It took four days for Zach to decide how to get rid of her remains. He lowered the thermostat to 60 degrees and went along his life like it was all normal and his girlfriend wasn't chopped up in the bathtub. Many believe that his intentions of cooking her was to separate the meat from the bone so he could dispose of her easier. There was no evidence that he had actually eaten any of her. Some counts say that there was potatoes on the stove and there was seasoning on her body. Um, So it's it's kind of conflicted as to what you read, what you hear. So, but, but I guess an autopsy showed that there was no, like none of her 
inside of his belly, pretty much. So they concluded that he hadn't eaten her. I don't know if he was planning on doing that, but I feel like if he was, he would have done that before he jumped off a roof. But, you know, it's all up to anybody's <laughs> mind as to how what he was actually thinking. So he wrote uh, halfway through the... T- he. This is what he wrote. He wrote, Halfway through the task, I stopped and thought about what I was doing. The decision to halt the first idea and move to plan B, the crime scene you're in now, came after a while. I scared myself not only by the action of calmly strangling the woman I've loved for one and a half years, but my entire lack of remorse. I've known forever how horrible a person I am. Ask anyone. And then decided to quit my jobs and spend the 1500 cash I had being happy until I killed myself. So that's what I did. Good food, good drugs, good strippers, good friends, and any loose ends I may have had. I didn't contact any of my family, so that'll explain the shock, and had a fantastic time living out my days. It's just about time now. So during the time that these two weeks essentially had gone by, um, Addie's friends and coworkers asked Zach, where is she? Um, he told them that she had left and went back to North Carolina. Many could not believe that. I mean, she stayed in New Orleans through a Category 5 hurricane, and now she just wants to leave. I mean, I feel like she really loved New Orleans, and she wouldn't just leave. However, some of her friends said that she was very unpredictable also. So whenever times got tough, her MO was just to kind of run away from it. So they, you know, were kind of torn as to if if that was true or not. But of course, they didn't ex- suspect that she had been killed, especially by Zach. So the Voodoo Spiritual Temple, which was shared on the other side of the building of the cottage, was founded in 1990 by Priestess Miriam and then by her husband, Priest Aswan Shamani, and they had moved to the Rampart location in 1991. In February 2016, a fire broke out and destroyed much of the building. The Creole Cottage was built in 1829 by Pierre de Verges and was listed on the city's registry of historic places. A lot of the stairs, walls, floors, balconies, and courtyard is all original to the building. So because of it being a historical place, the cottage was repaired after the fire. Many people actually leased out the apartment and the stovetop and the fridge were left And they just cleaned it up. So the fridge and the stove that are there now are the ones that she was in, which I think is disgusting. Um, The guy who rented it after that said he didn't believe in ghosts, so it wasn't a big deal. I mean, I guess guess that's a good way of looking at it, but I would still want the, regardless of if it had ghosts or not, it doesn't, I mean, there was still body cooking on the stove and in the fridge. So replace that shit. So um, just to give you a little bit more about like what the writing was on the raw, on the wall, he had put, and we can post these. Um, George, like I said, is doing his house stuff. So I'm kind of taking over. Um, and you know, I'm not good at that graphic stuff. So it's going to be very like, you know, just what it is, nothing fancy, but I can post these on the Instagram. Um, you know, it says, look in the oven, total failure. I loved her. Call on a Bowen, my wife in the bathtub, like on the tile. It said, I'm sorry, I couldn't finish. And then on the stove, like I mentioned, it says, don't look. So, um, so we can, I'll, I'll post these. 
So it's it's a really sad tale of both people, I feel like, that have had some severe trauma in their life. Zach with his PTSD, her with her probably PTSD, with her, you know, molestation at a young age. Um, I think that they were just two kind of violent people who were totally wrong for each other that found comfort in the fact that they had similar, you know, problems and it just exploded. Um, so there, there are a few more things that I'd like to mention if you're interested in learning more, hearing other takes on this. So in 2014, a documentary, Zach and Addie, was in the process of being made. Um, I've been looking for everywhere, trying to find out if it's something that I could watch, but I couldn't find anything on it being actually like posted anywhere. I believe production might have been halted when one of the interviews, Margaret Sanchez, who was best friends with a couple, was actually convicted of killing and dismembering Jaron Lockhart, a Bourbon Street dancer and young mother. So she was convicted in 2012. And I don't know if this might have had something to do with halting, you know, halting premiering this or, or what. I, I don't know that to be true. I'm just speculating here, but but that happened. So if you want, you can learn more about that. Uh, Final Witness, season one, episode two, Graveyard Love. That is about Zach and Addie. There was a paranormal lockdown, and I believe that this is the episode that I had watched that kind of sparked what I knew about the case. Um, season two, episode 10, Rampart Street Murder House. And they went there on the 10th anniversary. It's on Discovery Plus. I love Discovery Plus. I know people are pissed. You have to pay extra. I will pay extra, all the extras for all of that content because it's good stuff. Um, but yeah, they went there on the 10th anniversary. Bloody Mary actually owned the property at that time. So she's in it as well. And she's a very nice lady, by the way. She was wearing a shirt that I actually own, too. So I feel like we have a connection, (laughs) as loose as that is. Um, There's also a book uh, called Shake the Devil Off by Ethan Brown. I haven't read this book. Whenever we were at the museum, one of the clerks told us about the book, but they said that they don't carry the copy because there's a lot of victim blaming. Um, they, They kind of point it as, you know... Addie was mouthy, and it set Zach off, and that's why he strangled her to death. Um, So, you know, some people don't like that, even if it maybe, you know, maybe she was mouthy, but that doesn't constitute anybody strangling anyone. So just just be aware of that if you decide to read it. You can buy it on Amazon. I think it's like 16 bucks, or you can buy it on Kindle. Um, So that's kind of other things that you can look at. Uh, There was a lot of... ABC did a lot of stuff on it because especially since they took pictures of these folks riding out the storm and then this terrible thing happened. So my sources for all of this was bloodymarytours.com, ghostcitytours.com, Reddit, where you at, crimemuseum.org, delenabartlett.medium.com, history mysteries. Hey, that's like us.com, ethanbrown.com, abc.go.com, zachandaddy.com. That's the website for the documentary, but there's it, nothing's been updated. Uh, and then nola.com. So 
that is the story, my story and their story of Zach and Addie. So I hope that you enjoyed my first ever episode by myself. I hope that the quality is good enough for you because I don't know nothing about technology, nothing about graphics. This is going to be a bumpy ride, folks, but we're going to get through it. And uh, let me know what you think about uh, this terrible tragedy that happened. And it, it was just a very weird set of events that kind of put this in motion. So I hope that you all have a wonderful week and we will see you next time. Bye.